Part Four, Chapter Seven of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Abolition of Slavery by Christianity. But did Christianity abolish slavery as a matter of fact? We answer it did. Let us look at these acknowledged facts. At the time of the coming of Christ, slavery extended over the whole civilized world. Captives in war were uniformly made slaves, and as wars were of constant occurrence, the ranks of slavery were continually being reinforced. And as slavery was hereditary and perpetual, there was every reason to suppose that the number would have gone on increasing indefinitely had not some influence operated to stop it. This is one fact. Let us now look at another. At the time of the Reformation, chattel slavery had entirely ceased throughout all the civilized countries of the world. By no particular edict, by no special laws of emancipation, but by the steady influence of some gradual unseen power, this whole vast system had dissolved away, like the snowbanks of winter. These two facts being conceded, the inquiry arises. What caused this change? If now we find that the most powerful organization in the civilized world at that time did pursue a system of measures which had a direct tendency to bring about such a result, we shall very naturally ascribe it to that organization. The Spanish writer Balmes, in his work entitled Protestantism Compared with Catholicity, has one chapter devoted to the anti-slavery course of the Church, in which he sets forth the whole system of measures which the church pursued in reference to this subject and quotes in their order all the decrees of councils the decrees themselves are given in an appendix at length in the original latin we cannot but sympathize deeply in the noble and generous spirit in which these chapters are written and the enlarged and vigorous ideas which they give of the magnanimous and honorable nature of christianity they are evidently conceived by a large and noble soul capable of understanding such views, a soul grave, earnest, deeply religious, though evidently penetrated and imbued with the most profound conviction of the truth of his own peculiar faith. We shall give a short abstract from Mr. Balmes of the early course of the Church. In contemplating the course which the Church took in this period, certain things are to be borne in mind, respecting the character of the times. The process was carried on during that stormy and convulsed period of society which succeeded the breaking up of the Roman Empire. At this time all the customs of society were rude and barbarous. Though Christianity as a system had been nominally very extensively embraced, yet it had not, as in the case of its first converts, penetrated to the heart and regenerated the whole nature. Force and violence was the order of the day, and the Christianity of the savage northern tribes who at this time became masters of Europe, was mingled with the barbarities of their ancient heathenism. To root the institution of slavery out of such a state of society required, of course, a very different process from what would be necessary under the enlightened organization of modern times. No power but one of the peculiar kind which the Christian church then possessed could have effected anything in this way. The Christian Church at this time, far from being in the outcast and outlawed state in which it existed in the time of the Apostles, 
was now an organization of great power and of a kind of power peculiarly adapted to that rude and uncultured age it laid hold of all those elements of fear and mystery and superstition which are strongest in barbarous ages as with barbarous individuals and it visited the violations of its commands with penalties the more dreaded that they related to some awful future dimly perceived and imperfectly comprehended in dealing with slavery the church did not commence by a proclamation of universal emancipation because such was the barbarous and unsettled nature of the times so fierce the grasp of violence and so many the causes of discord that she avoided adding to the confusion by infusing into it this element nay a certain council of the church forbade on pain of ecclesiastical censure those who preached that slaves ought immediately to leave their masters the course was commenced first by restricting the power of the master and granting protection to the slave the council of orleans in five forty nine gave to a slave threatened with punishment the privilege of taking sanctuary in a church and forbade his master to withdraw him thence without taking a solemn oath that he would do no harm and if he violated the spirit of this oath he was to be suspended from the church and the sacraments a doom which in those days was viewed with such a degree of superstitious awe that the most barbarous would scarcely dare to incur it the custom was afterwards introduced of requiring an oath on such occasions not only that the slave should be free from corporal infliction but that he should not be punished by an extra imposition of labor or by any badge of disgrace when this was complained of as being altogether too great a concession on the side of the slave the utmost that could be extorted from the church by way of retraction was this that in cases of very heinous offence the master should not be required to make the two latter promises there was a certain punishment among the goths which was more dreaded than death it was the shaving of the hair this was considered as inflicting a lasting disgrace if a goth once had his hair shaved it was all over with him the fifteenth canon of the council of merida in six sixty six forbade ecclesiastics to inflict this punishment upon their slaves as also all other kind of violence and ordained that if a slave committed an offence he should not be subject to private vengeance but be delivered up to the secular tribunal and that the bishops should use their power only to procure a moderation of the sentence this was substituting public justice for personal vengeance a most important step the church further enacted by two councils that the master who of his own authority should take the life of his slave should be cut off for two years from the communion of the church a condition in the view of those times implying the most awful spiritual risk separating the man in the eye of society from all that was sacred and teaching him to regard himself and others to regard him as being loaded with the weight of a most tremendous sin besides the protection given to life and limb the church threw her shield over the family condition of the slave by old roman law the slave could not contract a legal inviolable marriage the church of that age availed itself of the catholic idea of the sacramental nature of marriage to conflict with this heathenish doctrine pope adrian i said according to the words of the apostle as in jesus christ we ought not to deprive either slave or free men of the sacraments of the church so it is not allowed in any way to prevent the marriage of slaves and if their marriages have been contracted in spite of the opposition and repugnance of their masters nevertheless they ought not to be dissolved 
st thomas was of the same opinion for he openly maintains that with respect to contracting marriage slaves are not obliged to obey their masters it can easily be seen what an effect was produced when the personal safety and family ties of the slaves were thus proclaimed sacred by an authority which no man living dared dispute it elevated the slave in the eyes of his master and awoke hope and self-respect in his own bosom and powerfully tended to fit him for the reception of that liberty to which the church by many avenues was constantly seeking to conduct him another means which the church used to procure emancipation was a jealous care of freedom to those already free every one knows how in our southern states the boundaries of slavery are continually increasing for want of some power there to perform the same kind office the liberated slave travelling without his papers is continually in danger of being taken up thrown into jail and sold to pay his jail fees he has no bishop to help him out of his troubles in no church can he take sanctuary hundreds and thousands of helpless men and women are every year engulfed in slavery in this manner the church at this time took all enfranchised slaves under her particular protection the act of enfranchisement was made a religious service and was solemnly performed in the church and then the church received the newly made free man to her protecting arms and guarded his newly acquired rights by her spiritual power the first council of orange held in four forty one ordained in its seventh canon that the church should check by ecclesiastical censures whoever desired to reduce to any kind of servitude slaves who had been emancipated within the enclosure of the church a century later the same prohibition was repeated in the seventh canon of the fifth council of orleans held in five forty nine the protection given by the church to freed slaves was so manifest and known to all that the custom was introduced of especially recommending them to her either in lifetime or by will the council of agde in languedoc passed a resolution commanding the church in all cases of necessity to undertake the defences of those to whom their masters had in a lawful way given liberty another anti-slavery measure which the church pursued with distinguished zeal had the same end in view that is the prevention of the increase of slavery it was the ransoming of captives as at that time it was customary for captives in war to be made slaves of unless ransomed and as owing to the unsettled state of societies wars were frequent slavery might have been indefinitely prolonged had not the church made the greatest efforts in this way the ransoming of slaves in those days held the same place in the affections of pious and devoted members of the church that the enterprise of converting the heathen now does many of the most eminent christians in their excess of zeal even sold themselves into captivity that they might redeem distressed families chateaubriand describes a christian priest in france who voluntarily devoted himself to slavery for the ransom of a christian soldier and thus restored a husband to his desolate wife and a father to three unfortunate children such were the deeds which secured to men in those days the honor of saintship such was the history of saint zachary whose story drew tears from many eyes and excited many hearts to imitate so sublime a charity in this they did but imitate the spirit of the early christians for the apostolic clement says we know how many among ourselves have given up themselves unto bonds and thereby they might free others from them 
first letter to the corinthians section fifty five or chapter twenty one one of the most distinguished of the frankish bishops was st eloy he was originally a goldsmith of remarkable skill in his art and by his integrity and trustworthiness won the particular esteem and confidence of king clotaire the first and stood high in his court of him neander speaks as follows the cause of the gospel was to him the dearest interest to which everything else was made subservient while working at his art he always had a bible open before him the abundant income of his labors he devoted to religious objects and deeds of charity whenever he heard of captives who in these days were often dragged off in troops as slaves that were to be sold at auction he hastened to the spot and paid down their price alas for our slave coffles there are no such bishops now sometimes by his means a hundred at once men and women thus obtained their liberty he then left it to their choice either to return home or to remain with him as free christian brethren or to become monks in the first case he gave them money for their journey in the last which pleased him most he took pains to procure them a handsome reception into some monastery so great was the zeal of the church for the ransom of unhappy captives that even the ornaments and sacred vessels of the church were sold for their ransom by the fifth canon of the council of Macon, held in five eighty five it appears that the priests devoted church property to this purpose the council of Reims, held in six twenty five orders the punishment of suspension on the bishop who shall destroy the sacred vessels for any other motive than the ransom of captives and in the twelfth canon of the council of Verneux, held in eight forty four we find that the property of the church was still used for this benevolent purpose when the church had thus redeemed the captive she still continued him under her special protection giving him letters of recommendation which should render his liberty safe in the eyes of all men the council of lyon held in five eighty three enacts that bishops shall state in the letters of recommendation which they give to redeemed slaves the date and price of their ransom the zeal for this work was so ardent that some of the clergy even went so far as to induce captives to run away a council called that of st patrick held in ireland condemns this practice and says that the clergyman who desires to ransom captives must do so with his own money for to induce them to run away was to expose the clergy to be considered as robbers which was a dishonor to the church the disinterestedness of the church in this work appears from the fact that when she had employed her funds for the ransom of captives she never exacted from them any recompense even when they had it in their power to discharge the debt in the letters of st gregory he reassures some persons who had been freed by the church and who feared they should be called upon to refund the money which had been expended on them the pope orders that no one at any time shall venture to disturb them or their heirs because the sacred canons allow for the employment of the goods of the church for the ransom of captives fifty seven epistle fourteen still further to guard against the increase of the number of slaves the council of lyon in five sixty six excommunicated those who unjustly retained free persons in slavery if there were any such laws in the southern states and all were excommunicated who are doing this there would be quite a sensation as some recent discoveries show in six twenty five the council of rheims decreed excommunication to all those 
who pursue free persons in order to reduce them to slavery the twenty-seventh canon of the council of london held in eleven o two forbade the barbarous custom of trading in men like animals and the seventh canon of the council of Koblenz, held nine twenty two declares that he who takes away a christian to sell him is guilty of homicide a french council held at vermille in six sixteen established the law that all persons who had been sold into slavery on account of poverty or debt should receive back their liberty by the restoration of the price which had been paid it will readily be seen that this opened a wide field for restoration to liberty in an age where so great a christian zeal had been awakened for the redeeming of slaves since it afforded opportunity for christians to interest themselves in raising the necessary ransom at this time the jews occupied a very peculiar place among the nations the spirit of trade and commerce was almost entirely confined to them and the great proportion of the wealth was in their hands and of course many slaves the regulations which the church passed relative to the slaves of jews tended still further to strengthen the principles of liberty they forbade jews to compel christian slaves to do things contrary to the religion of christ they allowed christian slaves who took refuge in the church to be ransomed by paying their masters the proper price this produced abundant results in favor of liberty inasmuch as they gave christian slaves the opportunity of flying to churches and there employing the charity of their brethren they also enacted that a jew who should pervert a christian slave should be condemned to lose all his slaves this was a new sanction to the slave's conscience and a new opening for liberty after that they proceeded to forbid jews to have christian slaves and it was allowed to ransom those in their possession for twelve sous as the jews were among the greatest traders of the time the forbidding them to keep slaves was a very decided step toward general emancipation another means of lessening the ranks of slavery was a decree passed in a council at rome in five ninety five presided over by pope gregory the great the decree offered liberty to all who desired to embrace the monastic life this decree it is said led to great scandal as slaves fled from the houses of their masters in great numbers and took refuge in monasteries the church also ordained that any slave who felt a calling to enter the ministry and appeared qualified therefore should be allowed to pursue his vocation and enjoined it upon his masters to liberate him since the church could not permit her minister to wear the yoke of slavery it is to be presumed that the phenomena on page one seventy six of a preacher with both toes cut off and branded on the breast advertised as a runaway in the public papers was not one which could have occurred consistently with the christianity of that period under the influence of all these regulations it is not surprising that there are documents cited by m balmes which go to show the following things first that the number of slaves thus liberated was very great as there was universal complaint upon this head second that the bishops were complained of as being always in favor of the slaves as carrying their protection to very great lengths laboring in all ways to realize the doctrine of man's equality and it is affirmed in the documents that complaint is made that there is hardly a bishop who cannot be charged with reprehensible compliances in favor of slaves and that slaves were aware of this spirit of protection and were ready to throw off their chains and cast themselves into the church it is not necessary longer to extend this history it is perfectly plain whither such a course tends 
and it is whither the course pursued by the American clergy at the South tends. We are not surprised that under such a course, on the one hand, the number of slaves decreased, till there were none in modern Europe. We are not surprised by such a course, on the other hand, that they have increased until there are three millions in America. Alas, for the poor slave! What church befriends him? In what house of prayer can he take sanctuary? What holy men stand forward to rebuke the wicked law that denies him legal marriages? What pious bishops visit slave couples to redeem men, women, and children to liberty? What holy exhortations in churches to buy the freedom of wretched captives? When have church velvets been sold and communion cups melted down to liberate the slave? Where are the pastors, inflamed with the love of Jesus, who have sold themselves into slavery to restore separated families? Where are those honorable complaints of the world that the church is always on the side of the oppressed, that the slaves feel the beatings of her generous heart and long to throw themselves into her arms? Love of brethren, holy charities, love of Jesus, where are ye? Are ye fled forever? End of chapter 7 Abolition of Slavery by Christianity